so we are in this Advent season still, the, the four weeks before Christmas Eve, sundown on Christmas Eve, and, and we continue to prepare and anticipate the coming of the Christ child yet again. It, it's a time when, when we are awaiting the already, waiting for what's already happened, but waiting for it to happen again in our lives. And that's the name of our series, Awaiting the Already. We've, we've been looking at the scriptures of some very familiar scriptures, the, the beginnings of the Gospels and, and what they have to say about the birth of the Christ child. They all have a little bit different vantage point, a little bit different angle, a little bit different theme that they're trying to put forth. And, and each week we're seeing those played out. Each Gospel has a, has a different focus leading toward the birth of the Messiah. I don't know about you, but uh, one of my favorite things about this season is the music. The music of the Christmas holiday season is just glorious. We had the opportunity, our, all three of our children are in a Newsome Choir, and Thursday we had the opportunity for the Newsome Choir uh, concert, and it was just fabulous, and always is always good, and and then any kind of other musical things you have an opportunity to, to see. Last night I had the Robert Shaw, uh, I had Robert Shaw and the Atlanta Orchestra and Choir just kind of blasting in my office here while I was finishing up some touches. It's just glorious music that fills my soul. So I thought we'd have a little fun today. Get your uh, cell phones out. You have permission to get your cell phones out. We're going to go to... Uh, you get that up there? There it comes. It's Menti. Come on, everybody pray a little bit. There we go. We're going to go to menti.com. M-E-N-T-I dot com. Menti. Like Mento with an O or with an I. And then you put the code in 860315. And we got two of you guys did it. That's good. Mine's, uh, mine's loading still. Get off the Wi-Fi and see if mine does better. There we go. 860315. And just take a moment and find your favorite carol. Hopefully it's in the list. I tried to limit it down because it's hard to see already. What is your favorite carol? I can't I don't know, I can't have one. Let's see what's happening here. We'll give it another 30 seconds or so. Silent Night's taking the lead. This is kind of like horse race, like should be. <laughs> Place your bets, last bets, last bets. Oh, that's probably not allowed today. Joy to the world might have a chance. Coming up in third, what child is this? Feel like I should be doing that third, that 1930s guy style voice, you know? All right, ten, nine, 
eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. So you all like Silent Night. I love Silent Night too. There's something about in the, the, the memory of of holding the candles, and, and the, that's one of my favorite pictures of the year. I wish you all could stand up here or stand in the back and see what that looks like from that perspective. It's a glorious sight to see. There's so much good music in the Christmas season. Thanks for playing along with me. The wonderful music is what we're going to talk about today. But I just want to remind you where we came from. Mark urged us to slow down, to turn around, to prepare the way for Jesus. Matthew last week told us to confront, confront the realities of this hurting world and, and to look for Jesus who is already here working in the world. And today, Luke, someone's namesake, Luke is going to tell us to sing to sing songs of obedience, to sing songs of praise, to sing songs of thankfulness, and even songs of silence and quiet. And, and Luke is normally is, is a favorite of many. Out of all the Gospels, especially for the Christmas story, Luke is usually the favorite story because it's where, where the bulk of the, of the Christmas story happens, right? And of course, it's where Linus from Peanuts he, that's where he tells the Christmas story. Even the cartoons like this part of the Christmas story. And it's probably the most well-known part of the Christmas story, maybe except for the wise men that were in the end of Matthew. But we, we learned last week that that's not really part of the Christmas story. That's part of the Epiphany story. So here's what my friend McGray de Vega says about Luke. He says, Luke is also unique in the manner of what of writing he brings to the Christmas story. Mark wrote with a sense of urgency and a sparse narrative style, and Matthew wrote with an ominous tone. John, we will discover next week, wrote with poetic flourish. But Luke, Luke wrote with a song in his head. There's no other way to explain why nearly every major character in Luke's nativity story breaks out into a song at some point. Luke is like a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. Something happens to someone, and then they sing about it, right? So Mark is like Reader's Digest. Matthew might be like a Stephen King novel. John is like a Shakespeare play. And Luke is a Broadway musical. The Gospel of Luke was uh, written, traditionally said to be written by Luke, who uh, was a traveling companion of Paul. We hear that in the book of Acts. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. It's a two-part series, so to speak. Luke was, uh, was claimed and tradition says to be a physician. He was highly educated in the Hebrew scriptures and and highly educated in the classical literature of the time. And we believe this was written around A.D. 80, around the same time as the book of Matthew. And Luke emphasizes the role of the Holy Spirit. He features prominently women in a way that the other Gospels writers do not feature women. 
he is constantly contrasting riches and poverty in a kind of a uh, either or dichotomy. He has a special heart and a special focus for outcasts and the oppressed and the disadvantaged. And Luke is the longest book in the whole New Testament and probably the one with the richest vocabulary. And much of that rich vocabulary is lyric in quality, and, and it leads to lots and lots of beautiful music. As, as you think about some of your favorite hymns, your favorite Christmas carols, a lot of the scripture text from that comes from Luke 1 and Luke 2. You can tease those stories back there. So there's great power in music. I love music. Music is, is a way to my heart. It's really what gripped me as a kid. Uh, you know, as I, I share with you, I, I grew up in, in an al- alcoholic house, and I spent a lot of time hiding in my room. And, and sports and music were an outlet, but, but music really helped me learn how to put feelings with what I was feeling in the real world. I didn't have, I wasn't able to, to, to process those, and I still don't verbalize them, my feelings, as well as I'd like, but, but music has always been able to help me to connect with what I'm feeling. And I think that's like for many of us. You know, music gives us great joy, and we can discover great joy, and we can also discover unbelievable sorrow. There's times when I just... I'm smiling from ear to ear when I hear a great piece of music, and there's times when you just begin to sob and tear and give you great goosebumps, those goosebump times. I remember playing in orchestras and bands and, and those, those goosebump times that, if you have an experience, are very difficult to explain to people, but they're unbelievable, magical, mysterious feelings. And then I remember being moved to tears in performances, but happy, moving, beautiful tears. You know, most of the great music, the lasting music of our, of our world is written on those per, two perspectives. It's either written out of great joy or written out of unbelievable sorrow. There's not too many great pieces of music where the writer's going, eh, life's going okay. You know? It's a terrible breakup, it's a terrible love story, or it's an unbelievable miracle. It's not like, hmm, it's Thursday. That's not a good song. But music speaks to our hearts in unbelievable ways. So what we're going to do this morning in the time we have left, I'm going to walk us through this kind of story, tell this long scripture. It's too long to read. I'm going to kind of give you the story, the gist of the story of Luke 1 and 2. And we're going to pause when it's time for a song, okay? So we're starting in Luke 1. Luke 1 opens with uh, Zechariah, and Zechariah is one of the priests, and it's, he's been called to duty to work in the temple in Jerusalem. And uh, he goes and he's working, and then he is approached by the angel Gabriel, that same angel that we saw last week with Joseph. And Zechariah is married to Elizabeth, and, and they are very old, we're told, and they are without any children. And it's become you know, quite the marker for Elizabeth. Women 
of this first century time, what they were to do were to be good wives, and they were to produce children, especially male children. And so she's not able to, and this is bringing her great grief. And Zechariah is met by the angel Gabriel, and he says, just like he said to Joseph, do not be afraid, Zechariah. And says, your wife is going to become pregnant. And you know, Zechariah's going, yeah, right, you know how old we are, right? And he doesn't believe Gabriel. And Gabriel says, no, she's going to become pregnant, and, and this is what you're to name the son, and this is what he's going to do. But because you didn't believe me, I'm going to close up your mouth. So Zechariah finished his duties inside the temple, and he came out, and he took a long time, so people were worried about him. And uh, he came out, and he couldn't talk. He didn't talk all the way through until after the baby was born. And they knew he had had some kind of special encounter. And uh, the baby is, is born, and in between that time, a, um, uh, the angel Gabriel also goes to Mary in Nazareth and says to Mary, you're going to be with child and you're to name this baby Jesus. And she doubts, says, well, how can this be? I'm a young woman, I'm a virgin, you know, I'm engaged to be to this man, but I have not had any kind of sexual relations with this man. And how's it going to be? And uh, Gabriel says, the Lord, the Holy Spirit has overcome you and is inside of you creating this child. And this is our first song, kind of in the interlude of Zechariah's story comes what we call the Magnificat. It's the song of Mary. It's also called the Canticle of Mary. In our hymnal, it's in, in page 199. And writers of music from the beginning of time have been writing about this, from Bach, Bach in the 17th century, to Bono in the 20th century, have been writing pieces of music using the text of the Magnificat. And it's used now in the evening prayers, the rituals of the evening prayers, of the Episcopal and Catholic churches in the evening prayer time. This is found in Luke chapter 1, beginning at the end of verse 46. Here, Mary's Magnificat. With all my heart, I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servants. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors Him as God. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclination. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. And Mary traveled to be with her cousin Elizabeth, who was about six months pregnant at that time. She stayed about three months, and then she traveled back to Nazareth. And then Elizabeth gave birth to a baby. 
And as is custom on the eighth day in, in the Hebrew homes, on the eighth day, the baby is to be circumcised and to be named. And they're performing this ritual, and it comes to the time, and, and Zechariah's mouth is still closed up. But the crowd asks, so Elizabeth, what shall you name this baby? She says his name should be John. And the crowd goes, wait a minute. No one in your family is named John. And they turn to Zechariah, and Zechariah, don't you want this baby to be named after you? Zechariah, your firstborn son, you've waited so long. And Zechariah takes out a writing tablet and says, his name is John. And with that word, then Zechariah's mouth is loosed up and he can speak. And the words that Zechariah begins to speak are a prophecy of what this baby John, who will become a man that prepares the way for the Lord Jesus Christ, a prophecy of thanksgiving for his son. And I thought we would together read this. This is a, the canticle of John. It's also called or the canticle of Zechariah. It's also called the Benedictus or the Song of Zechariah. And it's used in the morning prayer times each day. So let's do this together. There will be some bold parts for you and some not bold parts for me, responsibly. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has come to set the chosen people free. The Lord raised up for us a mighty Savior from the house of David. Through the holy prophets, God promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears and to remember the holy covenant. This was the oath God swore to our father Abraham to set us free from the hands of all our enemies, free to worship without fear, holy and righteous in the Lord's sight all the days of our life. And you, child, and you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way to give God's people knowledge of salvation by forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our Lord God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. A beautiful praise of thanksgiving from an old man who just had his firstborn son, who was promised to be a prophet of the Most High that is preparing the way for the Messiah to come, the long-awaited Messiah that had been promised to the Hebrews for ages. So from there, our scene changes and goes to the very famous Luke chapter 2 quoted often by Linus. In those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax list. So Joseph, being from Bethlehem, from the line of David, he brought his engaged wife, 
and they headed to Bethlehem from Nazareth, and they journeyed about the 90 miles, uh, walking and on donkey back over the treacherous times, very, very pregnant. How many times do you think Mary told that story? Joseph, you remember when you took me to Bethlehem? I still remember that, by the way. And they get to Bethlehem, and it comes time for the baby to be born. And uh, the baby is born, and all is well. And then we have these shepherds out in the fields. The shepherds out in the fields. Let me just read this. It's so beautiful. Nearby shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. And the Lord's angel stood before them, and the Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. And the angel said, Fear not. Okay, we're merging the King James and the Common English Bible. That's okay. The angel said, Do not be afraid. Fear not. I bring you good news, wonderful, joyous, fabulous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel praising God. And they said, glory to God in heaven and on earth peace among those he favors. So the angels come to the shepherds and, and again they say, do not be afraid. This is what's going to happen. And they burst into song of praise and glory to God. And, and after that performance, then the shepherds go on their way to see this baby. They worship this baby. And then they go back and tell everyone what has happened to them. But it's this angel song I want to focus on. This, this angel song is called the Gloria. Gloria in excelsis Deo. If you're in choir, ever been in choir, and you have to sing this, you, it's Gloria in eggshells Deo. Okay? That's how you know how to, how to say it. Eggshells Deo. There's many, again, many different musical versions of this that are very famous from, from Handel. Uh, U2 has another version of this. And Vivaldi has our most famous version. So take a listen to these musical clips. This is Vivaldi.
Okay, so the first piece was Vivaldi from the early 18th century. Second piece was uh, U2. It was, I had to figure out which one was Bono there because that was from like 1981. Looked a little different. Each writer of the music throughout the ages has taken this, this text, this, this glory text of these angels praising God and interpret it for themselves in a way that speaks to themselves and speaks to their generations. Our last song, again, happens on this eighth day. The Joseph and Mary have taken Jesus on the eighth day to be circumcised and to be named. And it's after that point that they run into a man named Simeon. And let me just read this encounter with Simeon. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. He said, and here is his song, the Nunca Dementis, the song of Simeon, Simeon, the canticle of Simeon, used in the nighttime compline prayer of Episcopals and Catholics. Here is Simeon's song. Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all peoples. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people, Israel. Simeon had waited his entire life to see this child, this Messiah, and finally, his eyes have seen the salvation of God. So friends, in our lives, there's going to be times when we sing songs of obedience like Mary. There's going to be times in our lives when we sing songs of joy like Zechariah, or glory and praise like the angels, or thanksgiving like Simeon. But there's also going to be days when we sing songs of darkness and sorrow and grief, fear, bewilderment, or great sadness. And there will be days that are so wonderfully joyful and so tragically horrific when there are no words. There are no words and there is no music that can, we can make for ourselves. And Paul tells us in Romans, he says, when we cannot make the words or make the music, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. So friends, as we continue to move through this Advent season towards the coming of Christmas, I encourage you to embrace the music of your life to sing your heart out, to make music, experience the music that represents your feelings, 
and know that and know that when there are no words or no music just be still and know that God is God and let the Holy Spirit intercede for you. Amen. Amen.